This week on Wife of the Party, we are book clubbing. The book was Orange is the New Black. The ladies are Kathy and Kirsten, as always. And we love this book, all three of us, even Kathy. It's crazy. We found one we all three loved. We have a good discussion about her book, her writing style, the difference between this book and the TV series that many of you may be familiar with. Uh, we um, talk about things we learned in the book that we didn't know existed in the prison system. I think it was a really good conversation. Um, they always are with Kathy and Kirsten. So I hope you enjoy our book club. Next book club is a book that Paulina Pinsky recommended called Hysterical by Alyssa Bassist. I terribly mispronounced her name in the episode. I apologize. It is Alyssa Bassist. So Hysterical is the name of the book. If you care to download it and um, read along with us, that'll be our book club in December. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you very much for all your emails. Again, you can go to birdieboyproductions.com and click on the Wife of the Party link uh, tab on the birdieboyproductions.com. You can send me an email through there. Uh, you can shop our merch. You can uh, watch Something's Burning. There's lots you can do at birdieboyproductions.com. So thank you so much for tuning in, for coming back, for passing on. Uh, my podcast to your friends. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoy this book club episode with Kathy and Kirsten. I rode my bicycle past your window last night. I roller skated to your door at daylight. It almost seems like you're avoiding me. This thing that you're wearing? I did. What is it? Is it a jacket? It, it's a quilted jacket. <gasps> it's reversible. Um, Wait, what's the other side? It's so cute. The other right? side is this like. It's adorable. Um, thanks. I. It's um, a cautionary tale. Why? You're <laughs> supposed to, when you do a new pattern, you're supposed to twall or muslin it, which basically means make a mock-up in mm -hmm. a cheap fabric. And I do not do that because my sewing time is limited. My, yeah. And so I just feel like ugh, if I'm going to make something, I want to be able to wear it. Yeah. And um, I did not. Um, and also this was not pre-quilted. So I did all the quilting myself, which takes something's wrong with you so yeah. much time. Something is wrong with you <laughs> besides a heart condition. <laughs> Who does that? That's crazy, Kirsten. I can't believe you did that. It's amazing. It's like a billion hours. Like yeah. a billion hours went into it and it doesn't fit. What do you mean it doesn't like, fit? Well, it was huge. Like so, and, and it's not the pattern designer's fault. Again, I should have twalled it. Her style is very like super oversized. And she also lives in San Francisco. So she wears like a sweater under a quilted Layers, jacket. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I live in Los Angeles, so I would wear like a tank top, yeah, right? <laughs> a quilted jacket. And also my style is not super oversized. Um, you know, like if I'm getting a jacket, I maybe size up one size, not like 10 sizes like our daughters yeah. often do. Yeah. And um, yeah, so this was huge. I mean, I looked like I looked like a little kid playing dress up when I put it on and I thought, oh, my God. <laughs> just spent a billion hours on something that doesn't fit. So I just kept like cutting it down, cutting it down, cutting it down. And so it's, yeah. So I'm a little, a little salty about that, but it's a hundred percent my fault. It still looks great. It's really Thank cool. Yes. It's a cool piece. Yeah. Thank you. No one has one like it. Well, it's going to be a museum piece that it's just going <laughs> to sit in my museum, AKA my closet. So I can go, Oh, until one all of the your time. daughters pulls it out and yeah. it's like, mom, this is awesome. Yes. This is amazing. Yeah. Oh, oh no, God. No, no. How did she get in? <laughs> no, Izzy, no. She's going to break the door. Hold on. A giant nose came out of nowhere. <laughs> I thought it was Bert and it was a dog. <laughs> oh, God. She 
looking for mama. Hey, clearly. She's a mama's girl, big Aww. time. Bless her heart. Um, okay. <laughs> Surprise guest. Busting in. No, she could literally I bet she put in. a dog bed in here for her. Because she would, well, she might get on the couch. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Undetermined. <laughs> well, congrats on all the hours you put in. Oh, How many hours you. do you think it was? Oh. <laughs> I don't even know because I do like, you know, 20 minutes here and 20 minutes there and 20 and over multiple weeks and like so many hours. Yeah. Like 20 hours, maybe. I don't know. Oh, no. (laughs) It's way more than that. There's no way. You only had 10, 20 minute sessions. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it was a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. It was a lot. It's really cool, though. Thank you. All right. (laughs) <laughs> we're talking about oranges and new black. What'd you think about this book? I loved it. This was the second time I read it and um, I loved it just as much the second time mm-hmm. I was a little, I wanted to refresh because I'd read it maybe a couple of years ago. And um, when you said that you wanted to book club it, I was like, okay, am I going to remember enough to discuss? And then I thought, Oh, is it going to be boring to listen to it again? And it was not for mm-hmm. me. I really enjoyed it. So you listened to it. I listened to it. Yeah, I listened to it also. Yeah, I did not have time to read it, but I listened to it. Um, I liked it as well. I didn't love it, but I liked it a lot. Like some of it was really, I just couldn't wrap my head around some of the way that this system works. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. Uh, Part of it I felt was unbelievable, but clearly it's not. But it doesn't make sense that this is the story that played out. Like what? That it took 15 years for her to go to prison or whatever it was. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I like she got arrested. 10 years and then, maybe, but yeah. Like, I, I don't even understand that. How do you do that to someone? And why? Yeah. Like, if you know someone is guilty and you arrest them, why would you wait a decade before they actually go on trial well, and go to prison? Is that how it happened? I thought it was 10 years after the crime. But it was like five years after then, she got arrested. Yeah, it but even oh, I that, thought it was only two years after she got arrested. But still, I think they were waiting on so. the other criminals. Stuff. And yes. And they wanted her. So the reason was because they did not want her testifying in an orange jumpsuit. They wanted her testifying yes. as a free person so that her testimony would be more credible. Because when you put a convicted felon on the stand, then the jury is like, eh, you know, She's not a credible witness. They're, yeah, they're a criminal. I don't really believe them. So that's why. And. Yeah. My feeling was, my goodness, for what she did, I feel like that amount of time going back and forth to court, going back and forth to all of these things, it felt like, couldn't that be time served? Like, well, her life is literally on hold for those five years or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that was so, I don't want to say unfair. Right. She did break the law, but you know what I mean? Like if you did, then do your time and be done with it or count that as time served. Right. right? Yeah. Like, I, I felt like the system just used her. They really did. For what they wanted, but mm-hmm. it was so unfair. It was really. And for you what know? she did, which was not a violent crime. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one right. thing. I think that uh, people listening to this might be like, oh, wait a minute. I can't believe they're, uh, you know, <laughs> apologists <laughs> for felons. But the thing right. is, like, it's, I think it's very, di- I feel very differently about violent offenders versus mm-hmm. nonviolent. Yeah. Well, let's say this. I know a lot of my emails say, uh, from people listening. I don't even read the book. I just like to hear you talk about it. So if that's the case, let me tell you what the book's about, right? Mm-hmm. And then let's continue our discussion. So a very well-educated white woman got involved, got wanted to have a life of adventure when she was younger and got involved with uh, someone who kind of coerced her into being a mule, a drug mule, right? International. But not for but, drugs, but for, money. for money. For money, for right. money. Yes. To move It was money. drug money, but mm-hmm. it was money that she was moving. Yeah. So she did this for a little bit where she would carry mo- money from. I, I thought it was only the one time. It was oh, confusing, I it actually. I feel like she did it more than once, but that one time was the one that like, she knew she was like about to get caught or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't think she did it that often. So she moved She money. benefited a lot from drug money. Yes. The lifestyle, certainly. Yes. So she went but, uh, around the world to yeah. to live with her partner to have this adventure. Yeah. And so, yes, she was benefiting off of 
drug money in that sense that that her they partner were, was doing. Her partner was doing that. Yeah, the partner was much more involved uh-huh. in the drug ring than she was. But then fast forward ten years later, and she gets arrested for this crime that obviously is ten years old. Yeah. goes through the court process and then goes to prison for thirteen months. And then um, this is about her experience, uh, I guess, somewhat pre-trial and mm-hmm. throughout prison until she's released. And of course, they made a a series out of it called Orange is the New Black, which is not really like the book. It is and it isn't. There's like definitely characters and similarities. And a lot of the story is similar, but a lot of the intrigues that happen on the show did not happen in the book. Would you say that's accurate? There's more um, like uh, exciting drama drama on the show, but also more comedy on the show. Yes. Um, than in the book. So it's a very fictionalized version, the, the show of this memoir. Yeah. I, I, I listened to, um, a, just a two hour, um, like I guess booklet, whatever her, her husband who mm-hmm. was Larry, who was her boyfriend in, um, in the book and in the show, um, there's a fictionalized version and he talks about the fictionalized version and how people hate the fictionalized version of him and, oh, yeah. and how weird that is. But I listened to that because, um, I had time and it wasn't that I wouldn't necessarily recommend it. It was something that her husband wrote. He's a good writer. It's not that he isn't a good writer, but I just felt that I got enough from Mm -hmm. the book itself. Um, But he says that um, about like maybe the first episode is fairly accurate to their lives. Maybe the first one to two episodes is very accurate. And then beyond that, it just it's fiction. And right. Yeah. That's good to know. So it's a good jumping off place. It's a great story. You know, the story of this uh, person ending up in prison um, and learning the things that she learned and experiencing and then being able to show that to the world is really powerful. Um, I don't know that the series had that intention, you know, showing (laughs) what prison life really is to the world. It was really more about the drama between the characters, I thought. I watched the first season and I really liked it. And then I, I didn't. I didn't go back. I tried the second season. I was like, eh, whatever. Um, But anyway, so now that you know what the book was about, right? um, What what I liked that at one point in the book, she talked about uh, understanding her part in the drug world and feeling responsible for it. Mm -hmm. I thought that was very powerful. Yeah. That she looked around at her fellow inmates and went, oh, I'm part of what got you here, you know? Yeah. Right. That while we may be apologizing for the fact that, oh, it was just money and not drugs, like it actually really plays into the system. And a lot mm-hmm. of women who do get institutionalized because of drugs or whatever, like it did play a role in that. And it was actually really interesting that she was able to see that, have that self-reflection and realize like, oh, actually I am responsible for this. Mm -hmm. I'm not as innocent as it might appear. Mm -hmm. Not that she ever said she was innocent, but. I really liked mm -hmm. her as a a person um, from reading this because she never, she never plays like, woe is me. Oh, poor me Mm -hmm. that I'm doing this. She really takes responsibility from the get go. She Mm -hmm. never says I didn't do that. Um, She never lies. Um, She's very upfront about I did this. I'm responsible. I need to serve this time. Um, and, and yeah. And then getting to that place of realizing the full circle of mm-hmm. like, Oh, not only did I take responsibility, but now she's like taking a fuller responsibility yeah. and really acknowledging how, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of growth in her in well, that way. So. Yeah. It was impressive so. actually. Cause I don't think a lot of people can do that. You know, yeah. it's but very true. She was a good or is, I shouldn't say was, is yeah, and is person. she's, she continues, she teaches, um, yeah. uh, she teaches writing and English, mm-hmm. I believe she teaches something in, in women's prisons now because she really mm-hmm. saw a need there and saw like how, how little that there are supposedly all these programs for prisoners. Mm-hmm, yeah. And then she really showed the reality of that, that there aren't a lot. There aren't a lot. It's so good that you can use that your life for good like that, you know, that you see a need and you, uh, I mean, at the end of the book, there is um, 
because I did both. I read it and listened to it. I started out reading it because I really wanted to read something. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I was running out of time. So I finished it. And then I finished like the last probably 10 pages reading. At the end of the book, she has resource after resource after resource for women in prison, for their families, for for themselves, almost in every state. It was really, that was really inspiring that I go, you know, maybe the people that she was in prison in aren't uh, in prison with aren't big readers, perhaps. But I bet you a lot of women in prison read this book because it's Mm -hmm. about their life. And how wonderful it would be to see it through her lens and to have all these resources at the end. I'm sure plenty of women in prison are like, fuck her. She's white. She has no idea. I'm sure. But there are people, I'm sure, also that got some help from it. Even just feeling seen or understood, you know. Knowing there's a place to turn to. Mm Because clearly, I mean, what she lays out is they have no resources. They have nothing when they step outside of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. When so, she gets out of prison, she gets like $28 or something. And it's like, ridiculous. go make a life for yourself. And then, oh, and my God, that roof and men's clothes. Talk about, oh. yeah. She had $28 and a men's clothing. They didn't even have women's clothing for her. Yeah. And then she talks about like go when they have to attend these mandatory uh-huh. yeah. teachings about when yes. you get out of prison, like getting a job and all this stuff. And it is completely absurd and they're like oh yeah you just go on the internet and do this some of them had been in prison so long that there was not an internet Mm -hmm. like also they're going to get out with 28 dollars are they going to have access to the internet like i guess anything for do they know how to use it and they're like oh well you know now you know just google whatever and they're like um excuse me we don't have access to computers in prison and they're like oh you don't aren't you supposed to be and they're like I don't know, but we don't have any of these resources. Like, so what are we supposed to do? Yeah. Yeah. The whole thing was crazy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So when she goes to, she goes to federal prison in Connecticut, 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 Danbury, Connecticut, Danbury. That's right. Um, and she goes through the strip search and she gets the shitty clothes and she has, I just was really shocked that they have nothing that other prisoners gave her shower shoes and, um, yeah. odds and ends as soon as she got there because they basically gave her clothing. I mean, did they even give her a toothbrush? I don't think they did. I think another prisoner gave her a toothbrush and toothpaste on the first no, day. Yeah, they have to purchase them from the commissary, but your commissary privileges or money or don't kick in until you've for, been there for several yeah, days yeah for several weeks even. I think it yeah, is absurd. Yeah. Like it's it was absurd to me that they don't like provide necessities like that for prisoners i mean they provided uh, i think feminine items in the very beginning but then you had to purchase them from the commissary afterwards or something like that and underwear or that was the other prison where there was no underwear but i was like i can't believe you don't get like a girl scout go bag here's your toothbrush here's your toothpaste here's a comb the bar of soap bar of soap you know like Shower shoes. Yeah. Wouldn't you want to keep athlete's foot at a minimum? Right. I mean, wouldn't you want to? You have to purchase all that. I, I I was really surprised to hear that. And that was so much better than when she went to the other place in Chicago. Yeah. But I, I couldn't believe that. That she couldn't. They, they, they don't just, they give you literally the clothes on your back. And that's yeah. it. She had to wait for real shoes. She had those canvas shoes and crazy. I also did not know, and I don't know why I didn't know this, that women, that they had jobs in prison. Like, I know I knew that my my uncle was in prison. He worked in the laundry and fold laundry. But I didn't really think about this broad stroke of, like, electrical work, plumbing mm-hmm. work, groundskeeping. I didn't know that they did that. And I actually think that's really good to have a purpose to some extent and something to do. It's good, mm-hmm. but it's frustrating that they're essentially slave labor because it, they're li- literally getting pennies per hour. Yes. This week's episode is brought to you by one of my favorite companies. It's Manscaped. You know, I love Manscaped. I love Manscaped for me. I use their razor myself for my own um tidiness needs down there and uh Bert uses all their products he uses the ear and nose trimmer and 
<clears throat> boy, it's nice to have a well manicured husband. It's such a lovely package when everything's all well manicured. Holidays are coming. If you're wondering what to get your man, you should check out the Performance Package 4.0. You in that package you will find the signature lawnmower. This is an electric trimmer that is safe. It has some safe skin technology. It's also waterproof, so you can use it in the shower, which is amazing. So then you don't even have to clean up after him. He can just let it all go down the drain, which is also, also awesome. Also included is the Crop Preserver and the Crop Reviver, which is an anti-chafing ball deodorant and a moisturizer and a toner. There's a hygiene bundle that also comes with Manscaped anti-chafing boxers that'll keep his junk feeling fresh all day. I mean, you could do the boxers and you could do the Performance Package 4.0 and be set for Christmas. I mean, what, an, a great, what a great package for Christmas. You can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code WOTP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the code WOTP. Get your man a gift. You'll both enjoy the gift of Manscaped. His jingle balls will thank you. This is what I really liked about the book. Uh, maybe talk about this too soon. But to me, what I liked was her, uh, she clearly, I am sure, never grew up with people like she was in prison with. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I don't remember what school she went to. Was it Brown? It was some big uh, fancy school that I read the school and went, oh, yeah, she's definitely a, a white collar, probably mm -hmm. upper middle or upper class upbringing. Yeah. I don't know. But definitely she's probably not spent a lot of time. No, with she talks about that, too. The blue like collar. She, yeah. Mm -hmm. but I was really I liked how she it, it's like this sounds shitty. Not that you want to go to prison for this, but it's such a leveler. Yeah. You know, of good people, bad people, like in, inherently good people, bad people, because there are good people in prison. Mm -hmm. There are moms who are addicted to drugs, who are a good person, who just have a bad choice that leads them down a bad path. There were so many addicted. women who were yeah. holding for their husbands or who were yeah. doing yes. something for their husbands, uh -huh. protecting their husbands. Mm -hmm. um, and end up there. And I was really I loved that piece of this memoir that she I want to know what I kept saying is, do you still talk to these women? Do you still talk people. to pop? Yeah. Pop. Do you still talk to uh, Jay, who she spent that time in the federal mm -hmm. prison in Chicago with? What is your interaction with them now? Have you helped them since they got out? Have they come to see you? Do they come to Thanksgiving? You know, like, <laughs> it's stupid, but I want to know that. Mm -hmm. Like, I'd love a follow up to like. These are how I stayed or didn't stay connected with the, with the people that I met in prison because there's she had nothing in common with anybody. And quite frankly, a lot of them didn't have anything in common with each other. You yeah. know, um, I mean, there was a nun in prison with her. Yeah. Uh, what was a nun in for? She was in for it was some sort of like environmental uh, protest. Protesting. Oh, like she that's right. Broke into a a federal building maybe to or, protest yeah something like that environment or something like that yeah which like an elderly nun like what it just it made me angry about just the way tax money is spent yeah. on these things that it's like I don't want to spend my money like putting an elderly nun in prison for yeah, in no. and when who's protesting like it something for the environment I I don't know. That just one of the other things that made me angry when you said it was the great leveler, mm -hmm. like, but it kind of wasn't in mm -hmm. some ways Yes, because she was treated differently because people, the, well, yeah, the staff right. would say, what are you doing here? What's like, a you nice girl like yeah. you doing here? Like, right nice definitely. Yeah, nice being a placeholder so... for white, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like that made me angry. Like maybe in her perspective and in her population, it was a leveler, mm -hmm. but like, that's not how people saw it. Yes. Her. And also and in not, terms of it was unfair, yeah, Very her good sentence, point. Yeah. she got, she was sentenced 13 months. Yes. Whereas she found women who had done the same or less, or less. than her who were, who had seven year sentences right. or very long sentences, black or Hispanic yes. or, or whatever, poor. like just, or poor. Yeah. Yes. They didn't have Resource. a paid yeah. lawyer. They had the, you know, yes. court appointed lawyer mm -hmm. and 
Yeah. Yeah. And then it's her really talking unfair. about how um, I think there, there's a line about um, the happiest and saddest day in prison, or maybe this is what her husband wrote about it. The happiest and saddest day for visiting day is Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yes. I, I think it was in this book. Actually. It was. In I the remember book. that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Just all of the mothers who and all the, you know, just generations of kids who are growing up without their moms. Mm-hmm. Um, and for what? You know, for what? Yeah. So I, I agree with you. I think violent crime and nonviolent crime should have a very different weight, um, yeah. a very different weight. It's not that you should just go, oh, you were just carrying drugs across the street. OK, no worries. No crime. No problem. Right. That's not true. But at the same right. time, should it be seven years in prison? Well, it's the mandatory sentencing. Like, mm-hmm. that's the issue. Yes. Right. Yeah. Does carrying drugs across the street equal seven years, right? Like you can murder somebody and go to prison for seven years, yeah. right? Like that's, how does that even make sense? Mm, right. Know. We have all of these people, mm-hmm. women and men that have done similar things that just have these ridiculous sentences. Not yeah. that they should get off with nothing, but. But like in terms know. of restorative justice, it's like yeah. some of these crimes, like for example, Piper's crime, obviously she really you know, she learned her impact in the drug world and that, mm-hmm. um, but it, to use her towards like, she could have been volunteering. She could have been spending that time yeah. like under house arrest, but volunteering, you know, working yeah. all day long to volunteer at a halfway house or mm-hmm. at some sort of programs. Mm-hmm. If there were some programs, they put that money that went into feeding her and housing her and policing her in prison if they instead spent that money towards programs that would help women not go back to prison. Um, it just, I would rather my money be spent that way personally. Heck yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the system is so broken in so many ways yeah. and it's hard to read a book like this or like Miss Pat's book mm-hmm. where you hear how she tries to get out of this life of crime and is just drugged down over and over again, where she just can't, can't get a, a foot up. Yes. And in both of these stories, I think it, in a lot of ways, life of crime really means life of poverty because yes. for Miss Pat, it was life of poverty. So what were her options? Like yes. flipping burgers for minimum wage to support all of these kids that she's taking care of, like a lot of whom weren't hers, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and, or, you know, going into crime and likewise for a lot of the women that were in prison, not for Piper, she did, she firmly acknowledges that she had privilege and that she was, you know, having a youthful, (laughs) right. Having Uh, an adventure. Yeah. Having an adventure. (laughs) A couple of bad days. Very misguided adventure. (laughs) At the same time, like I can really see how a young person would go, well, I'm not doing drugs. I'm not transporting drugs. I'm not, you know, I'm not working for her. Like she, she never even, the horrible thing is that she never even got paid for transporting money. I thought it was so funny. Her, her grandmother, when she's like, well, you know, do you know, how much money did you make? And she's like, I didn't get paid. And her grandmother's like, Oh, Piper. (laughs) She was just so disgusted. She's like, Oh, for God's sake. The least you can do is get paid. (laughs) My goodness. You did this for fun. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It I it was very disheartening. I liked that they all had a job, right? But I I I didn't like that I know that they're not Piper's not going to get out of jail and be an electrician. Neither is anybody well, else. But she wasn't even taught to be an electrician. They threw a manual and said, figure it out. Yes, so it's true. not like she's actually being trained. She yes, couldn't true. possibly use any of those skills on the outside anyway, no. which is unfortunate. Yeah. Like, it's great that she has some of that knowledge, but she is self-taught mm-hmm. again because she's educated and she's like, I don't want to die playing with electricity. So I should probably read this manual. Figure it out. Yeah. But like, why don't they train people? Exactly. Why not? Why don't freaking they? electricians make a boatload of money? Like, wouldn't that be a great opportunity for whoever had that job in prison to obviously apprentice or do whatever once mm-hmm. they got out? Like mm-hmm. talk about giving them a leg up and an opportunity later on in life. Well, there, there seems to me to be no rehabilitation in her experience yeah. in, in prison in Danbury. There was no rehabilitation. So to me, in my expert opinion, because I know everything <laughs> about what, no, but I was like, wouldn't you, why wouldn't you have a vocational school mm-hmm. attached to the prison? Of course. And why wouldn't you have psychologists or behavioralists or whatever, ABC, 
attached to the prison? Or why wouldn't you have a mentorship about how to manage money? I think sometimes, you know, when you don't have a lot of money, you really have to manage it. And, and there was an example. I, I, my aunt Carol, who's been a guest here, um, is in a community that is very philanthropic. Uh, Carrollton, Georgia is a very philanthropic community in my experience. Um, I'm sure there are lots of ways that, that they aren't, but there is a um, charitable institution that's part of a church in Carrollton, and I may totally screw this up. So whoever is in this institution, if I get it wrong, I'm sorry. This is what I understood from Carol. So I may have misunderstood her, but they have a mentorship program where they have someone who is struggling, who is on welfare or food stamps or whatever, and who really is motivated to get on their feet there. I think this is through a, a shelter, a homeless shelter. And they pair them with a mentor and that mentor, they have to commit to, I think it's like 18 months of mentorship. And the mentorship basically starts with the mentor running all of their money and paying all of their, with them, right, together. They're paying all their bills together. They're budgeting. They're figuring stuff out. And typically this mentor is someone who's obviously good with money. So they'll go, like the example she gave me was there was this woman who was cleaning houses for a living. She had kids and she was on welfare and she wanted to get her own apartment. She was in a shelter. She just couldn't get out. So after a short time with this mentor, the mentor said, do you think you could clean one more house a week? Because if you just clean one more house a week, you could have an apartment and it would take you a few months to get the deposit, but just one more house a week. And she said, yeah, I, I can do that. So she added one more house a week and a little later. And he was like, now, if you just add one more house a week, now you're cleaning six houses a week. Now you can do this. And putting that two and two together mm. is not inherent in a lot of people. And a lot of parents don't sit down and say to your kids, you know, if you put in five extra hours a week, you get all these benefits. It's just not, it's not an intuitive way of looking at money. And so that woman got out of the shelter, got an apartment, and now are you ready for this? Owns a company that cleans houses. So she grew from this shelter yeah. with this mentorship. And this mentor is a volunteer. They, vol they are a member of the church and they feel like I have all this knowledge I can give you need this knowledge. Let's work together and get you on your feet. And it worked. And that's the only story I've heard. I'm sure there's stories where it didn't work, but there is some kind of agreement where you have to do what this mentor says for 18 months, period. No questioning, no discussion. If he says, pay all your credit cards off, that's what you have to do. And that's part of the agreement to be in this program. But I was like, I can't believe this woman just added one house a week and then just added one house a week and then went, wait a minute, if I have an employee, I'm probably I'm speculating, but I thought, mm -hmm. I, I bet she said, if I have an employee, I can double that and I can pay the employee. If I make $5 a house off her, now I've made another $20. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I don't know why something like that is not part of the prison system. I know there's, it's overwhelmed with people. It would be hard to get that many mentors or, but why? Well, I think that this is what's in the news a lot, which I haven't focused on because I don't really, I don't know anyone in prison. It hasn't, I hate to say, but it just, it hasn't applied to me sure, no. as much, but there's a lot of talk about how wrong the for-profit prison system is because there is no incentive to get people from coming back. There's actually honestly incentive to house more people because there's profit. profit. Right. Yeah. And there's no profit if they're providing all these programs because right. you have to pay for programs. Feet, then yeah, yeah, there's no repeat offenders. Uh, there, you're right. There is no, there is no profit to getting people on their feet. It's so hard too, because you think about how much money it would take to really, I mean, that's the other piece of it. It's how much money it would take to implement that program. You know, uh, it, it would, the counterbalance to me is if you get people out of prison working, they're paying taxes. No, they're not paying taxes. A millionaire is paying, but they're paying something. So they're contributing. It won't offset it, but it would have to 
help it offset somehow. it eventually though. That's what right? I think. Because it's not draining. They're only adding. Maybe it's not at the same rate at the same time, mm-hmm. but eventually like, you know, you got to play the long game yes. in some ways, right? Yes. Like it's not going to happen overnight. No, but I don't know. I don't know. We don't seem to think that way. Uh, you can you can look at several pods in our moder- modern society where this same frustration can be applied. Yes. The educational system, the healthcare system, the prison system, the mental health system. They're all so broken and we're so archaic in a lot of the ways that we handle these things. I don't know what how we c- it would take such a monumental effort to turn that ship around, you know, that I don't think anybody would even know where to start. It's a mind shift. And I don't like, I think that's the problem. Mm. We could find the money, I would imagine, for some of these things, right? But I don't think we can agree as a culture that it is valuable enough to do that. Well, then people are stupid. Well, I think that, (laughs) again, when people don't have any experience with the criminal justice system, we just, I mean, I've just been living blithely thinking, well, you know, you do the crime, you do the time, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then you read a book like this and go, oh, this, this is not what I had in mind. Exactly. Like, yeah. It's broken. It's yeah. very broken. The whole system. Mm-hmm. So she found her way in Danbury. She found a bunch of friends. Um, she found a job. She had a track that she could run on, to keep her mental health. She was doing yoga with yoga, Janet. And that was keeping her mental health going. And then she had to go on Aircon. I didn't know Aircon was a real name. Yeah. It was either. I didn't yeah. either. I was like, oh, my God, that's a movie. <laughs> like a big dummy. Um, she had to go on Aircon, which was apparently a really big deal, right? Yeah, I guess. Sounded kind of scary. It, well, yeah. Did it sound scary I mean, to you? Like yeah. she's chained up and everybody else is chained up and she's co-ed and there's men talking to her. And so she had to go to... Chicago to um, testify against someone else in her overall larger case, right? So they had to transport her from Danbury to Chicago, and it was at the very end of her sentence. That was another thing. She couldn't get any answer out of anybody about her release. No one knew. No one cared. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, she takes Con Air with two two other prisoners from Danbury, wasn't it? Jay. Yes, and the cousin. And the yeah. cousin. Oh, right. So she had them when she got there and uh, the conditions were even worse. No panties. They had no panties for women. I could not believe there were no underwear. Like they're just out. Yeah, that's weird, right? Wasn't it crazy? Yeah. What are you doing? You have your period and you have no panties. Well, I guess you just have to, I mean, they don't give you tampons, do they? They just give you maxi pads. Yeah. So you just (laughs) stick it to the inside of your jumpsuit? Come on now. We know that's not going to work. <laughs> that's too loose. Especially since yeah. their jumpsuits are not exactly made to order. Like, <laughs> No, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. That's... Food was horrible. Conditions were bad. Yeah, and I think that when people like hear that kind of thing, it's like, yeah, the food should be terrible in prison. They, you know, they did the crime, you do the time, whatever. <laughs> but it, it, I think like having it broken down, what was terrible about it. And just imagining the long term ramifications of all of that. Again, it's just sort of making sick people. So it's like dumping them out, like with low immunity, maybe sick, um, with no resources, no money. It's like, what are they supposed to do? Literally. Yeah. Sick also in depression. I mean, at a certain point, if you are fed slop every day, don't you mentally start shifting and thinking, well, maybe I'm just worth slop. Yep. You know, not that 100%. you should be get a ribeye steak, but there should be some nutrition. Nutrition, <laughs> yeah. yes. A vegetable every once in a while, like a yes. fresh vegetable, right? Like they yes. were virtually non-existent. Yeah. That so is mind And then not to mention the gynecological exam when she goes oh in God, and yeah. is like, okay, everybody, you know, we're going to get our, our OBGYN <laughs> exam. And all of the women who'd been in the prison for a long time yeah. were like, oh, hell no, we're not doing that. And she's, Piper's just thinking like, oh, well, maybe they're undereducated, not realizing how important it is. And then she goes and it's this elderly man who is mean and cold to her. And there's no like robe or mm-hmm. tissue paper to put over her. She it's literally get completely butt naked and lay there 
on a table, lay there in stirrups with this elderly man who's just been poking hard. He's been really rough with her. And it, it was just, I mean, it was honestly abusive. Like it was kind of traumatic to read that. Yeah. Um, and so all of these women, again, dumping all of these women out who haven't had an exam in years and years because they, that was a better option to avoid the exam than to go through that. That was really sobering. Yeah. The whole thing was pretty sobering. Yeah. I'm definitely not going to prison. <laughs> I mean, we I've were been to worried jail, about but... you. We were wondering <laughs> yes. if things were going to turn that way. But now I'm really relieved. <laughs> I went to jail once and I just sat in the office with the female officer because they were like, we're not going to put you back there as a bunch of men. So I just sat in her office <laughs> with her until I got like bailed detention out. or something. It was sort of like detention. Then I got bailed out and they let me go home. I wasn't even cuffed. I was just because, you know, I was so drunk. I couldn't have got out anyway. <laughs> Couldn't have got out of the jailhouse. Couldn't have found my way out of a wet paper bag. <laughs> I was so drunk. Anyway, I was arrested for DUI a long time ago. Uh, like my uncle was in jail for DUI the same night in the same jail. <laughs> I actually saw him. I was like, hey, maybe I should think about changing my ways. <laughs> this is not great. Um, but yeah, then when she got to that place, she ran into the woman that she was involved with that took her on this great adventure. How crazy was that? What'd you think about that part of the book where she finally met Nora was her name? Mm -hmm. That part bothered me. Actually, I didn't really, I I felt like it wasn't legit. I don't know. Mm. Like she was too forgiving of her too easily. Like it was just really interesting. Mm. I don't know. I had a hard time believing that that was the way everything played out. Nora, whose but. real name is not Nora. I can't remember what it was. I looked it up and I was going to read her memoir oh, yeah. next uh-huh. because she wrote a memoir too, um, which I'm curious to read. I'm sure it's not as well. It couldn't possibly be as well written as this one it was because this well was written. very well written. Very yeah. well written. Annie Golden. Thank you, Halston. <laughs> Annie Golden is Nora. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I don't hundred percent agree with you in that I, as I read it, I read her struggle with not ripping her head off, but understanding that to survive in this environment, she couldn't be by herself. So once Jay and the cousin left, her only option was Nora and her sister. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, as I read it, I read that like, it's all I can do not to tear her face off. But if I tear her face off, now I'm in the shoe. And if I confront her, now I'm in the shoe. And I can't be by myself here. So I've just got to figure out how to manage it so that I can get out of here. That's how I interpreted it. And I personally, as a human, could totally see doing that. To, to, for survival, to fucking eat it all day long. But yeah, I don't know. I thought she was more forgiving than she... You had a different take on it. I actually read that part. I didn't hear her read that part. Uh So I wonder if the way she read it presented it a little differently. I don't think it was her reading um, it. I think it's an actress. Uh, Whoever read it. Um, Um, Because when I read it, all I, I, I felt like she was seething. And having to sit there anyway, because she had no choice. That was my takeaway as well. But Mm, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it is. I felt like she was really struggling. I didn't like it either. I thought it was too convenient. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's what bothered me because nothing else in this story was convenient. Mm -hmm. She didn't do that for anything. Mm -hmm. She really took a hard look at herself. So in this scenario, I was like, "Mm, I don't know. I'm just not buying what you're saying. Mm -hmm. It was very convenient that she was in the same prison as Piper. That part is what was convenient for me. I was like, that's what a movie script writes like. Uh But it made sense because they were both. The reason they were both there well, is to testify against the same person. Against the same person. Yes, it yes. did make sense, but that was the one I was like, eh, I don't know. This yeah. seems very Hollywood. But I mean, I'm sure it's true because I believe yeah. everything else in the book. You would imagine, yeah. right? Like she didn't lie about anything else. So yeah. I would imagine that's accurate as well. But I was so angry that she got released um, in Chicago because I just wanted her to have that send off with all her friends. Oh. I was so. I was so angry for her that she didn't get that because Mm. she was there. She was always the person there waving through the windows and, and, you know, 
Yeah, I was bummed about that. Taking too. care of her friends on the way out too. And I wanted her to have that moment. I agree. That's part of the reason why I want to know what happened after. And she like the other thing is she literally got dumped on the side of the building. Right. Like not even where not in like, an alley. Like, nobody <laughs> told her where like her support system is waiting. They just literally dumped her on the street and she had to figure it out. Yeah. With twenty eight dollars. Like in, it's in so mind blowing. Like you actually have somebody to come pick you up and they're like, I don't know, go find them. Well, you know, as much goodwill, as much bullshit clothing as we all donate, don't you think some of them should go to the prison system for women? I mean, don't they have some kind of donation collection program at prisons? You would think because they literally said, we don't have women's clothing for you. So here's this men's outfit and $28. Ridiculous. There's, I mean. How is she supposed to last one day like that? How do you last one day? You look like a homeless person. You have to. And you have to eat like one, too. Can't get a hotel or a bus ticket. How are you supposed to do that? It's really crazy. Um, and I think it's so eye-opening when you now look at that. If you look at, if you think about a person who grew up without resources, without parents, maybe as a second-generation prison person, you know, like someone whose parents were in prison, it's it's an easy path. Mm-hmm. It's way easier to go to prison than it is to figure out life for some people. I mean, it, it breaks my heart that that is easier. But I think it is in some ways. You know, like in the Shawshank Redemption, when that old man didn't want to leave because he yeah. didn't want to figure out the outside world. He wanted to stay there because he has food, he has clothing, he has friends. He knows what his life is like. He knows what to expect every day. And yeah, there's bad stuff that goes with it, but it's like, you know, it's the devil, you know, versus the devil you don't. And it makes, it makes tragic sense to me why some people just can't get out of that system because you can't figure out how to work regular life. Regular life sucks. Sometimes it's really challenging, especially if you have bad luck after bad luck, you know, car breaks down, you lose your job, whatever. Even if you don't have mental health problems, that's enough to give you mental health problems. Mm-hmm. And our society has no support, support for that. And quite frankly, very little empathy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's such a pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of society we live in, which is valuable and important, but it's not everything. You know, sometimes somebody else needs to pull your bootstraps up and help you, you know, and we just don't live that way. Americans are so, you know, we can do it about everything. And sometimes you really can't. I mean, Miss Pat's story is so clear when she finally said, I'm going to get right. I'm going to go through this welfare program. I'm going to get trained for a job. And the whole system fucked her and failed her. And then you you see why writing bad checks was better. It's a fucking lot easier. Even though it's illegal and you're taking from other people and causing problems in other people's lives, I understand the decision, you know? Mm-hmm. We're so lucky, those of us who haven't had to learn those lessons. Um, I don't want anybody I know to ever have to learn those lessons, but people do all the time. It's And we shouldn't, we are the wealthiest country. We have so much going on here. Who do I call? can we Karen for good again (laughs) you know some of my friends that listen started texting me hashtag Karen for good I mean can we not Karen for good for some of this shit I don't know I I got a lot of heat about that podcast we did about George's car I got a lot of people going like it's because you live in LA keep living there and I was like (laughs) okay maybe it's because somebody left the keys in the car I don't know (laughs) you know I was like I don't about that well you voted and I was like well yeah but I agree I did vote but I'm still unhappy and still feel like there's more that can be done and someone even said that's not what defunding the police did which I'd be interested to know what it did do if it didn't discourage people if nothing else from signing up to be a police officer or police dispatch I don't know I wonder what that is do you know you're rolling your eyes like I, you do. I don't know enough to um, speak on it. Speak on it. So if anybody comments on and has a negative, yeah, I'd like to back it up with like information or like give me a website. I can check it out. 
I am happy to hear a, dis, a descending opinion, opinion from mine. Totally fine. But not just a blatant opinion without any kind of like, hey, go to this website and read this. Okay, I would love to do that. But someone to go, it's because you live in L.A.? <laughs> well, you're just being stinky. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's lots of crime everywhere. And people, yeah. if you leave your keys in your car, you kind of, kind of you know, can't. <laughs> I didn't leave the keys in the car. But anyway. Um, what else should we say about this book? Larry, God, what a saint, right? Oh, that guy's yeah. a saint. A good guy. She, I wonder, wonder what their wedding was like. I bet they were just sobbing. You know, they had, they went yeah. through all this together. You know, they had to be just, it was just a mess. Bert sobbed in my wedding and nothing was wrong. <laughs> you know, I don't know what it would be <laughs> if we'd gone through something like that. Um, anyway, I loved the book. I thought it was good. It was fun to read something. Um, this sounds terrible, but it was fun to read something that was good. <laughs> I feel like we read stuff. Sometimes we go, oh, I could not, I could have just skipped that. But I'm actually really glad I read this book. I felt yeah, like I yeah. learned stuff from this book. I learned from her experience. I broadened my perspective. I um, I got curious about things that I don't think about often. Like you were saying, mm-hmm. I don't think about the prison system very often. I mean, I had an uncle that spent a lot of time in and out of prison. And I would visit him a lot. But prison was an improvement for him. He was, he ended up... Um, he got several DUIs, and after the fifth DUI, it's a federal offense, and he ended up in federal prison and was finally diagnosed with schizophrenia. And none of the regular prisons, the state prison or whatever, did anything about his mental health. So once he was finally diagnosed, he got medicated and was always so healthy in prison because he wasn't drinking himself to death. Mm-hmm. And and by the time he got in federal prison, he was medicated and like gained weight, was really healthy, had made friends, was working in the laundry, you know, and as soon as he got out, it just went to hell in a handbasket again because he's, his problem was not alcoholism. His problem was schizophrenia mm-hmm. that he couldn't stay medi- med- medicated for. And I took him to parole a lot. I would drive him from Atlanta to his parole officer in Carroll County and sit and wait for him to get out of parole and You know, it was just basically like, are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Okay, high five. See you next month. It's really what it was. There was no, let's get you assessed. Let's see why is this happening to you over and over again? What choices are you, what's going on in your life? You know, that's making you make this choice over and over again. Because he always got arrested for drunk driving. It was never anything other than that. Which in in its own way is pretty violent because you could kill somebody. But Yeah, it was just like, it was a useless waste of time to go to parole, I I found. So he would talk about it on the way back to Atlanta. And he'd just say, yeah, he just wanted to make sure I was doing okay. Holding a job. I am. Well, you can do that on a phone call. You know what I mean? Why you got to show up? But anyway, I haven't been around or in any prison stuff for a long time. It's a long time. I was in my 20s when I was doing that with him. Um when I was a teenager, I was in a play and we performed in a prison. Did you? Yes. Wholesome? <laughs> Just uh, kidding. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was very exciting for me because this was like my version of Piper looking for excitement. It was like, ooh, <laughs> we're going in a prison. We're going in prison. And um, it it was performed in the chapel, I believe. And the the priest or minister, whoever it was, was like, yeah, we've never had a turnout like this before <laughs> because everybody showed up because they were like, oh, something's happening. It reminded me of my cat. It's like you change the sheets and suddenly she's like, "Ooh, this is new, like <laughs> leaping around. It was like just any novelty was like, yes, That's <laughs> get so me funny. in this. And I was like, I don't know that this is the greatest play ever. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I can still feel like it was. Yeah. yeah. Right. Have you ever had it easy as you have? You did that? You ever had any experience with the prison system? No, No, none whatsoever. No, ever been to prison, jail? (laughs) Nope. (laughs) I went that one time and um, it was pretty, it was pretty eye opening, you know, to just be, to, to what it did to me when I I got arrested for drunk driving, I was 20. So I was a minor and um, 
the roadside um, sobriety test. I failed. <laughs> and then I failed the breathalyzer. And they cuffed me and put me in the cruiser. And I was one mouthy motherfucker. I was talking <laughs> some kind of shit in my five foot two, hundred pound self at the time. I was shorter and much smaller than I am now. And I remember trash talking. I was so drunk. I was trash talking all the way to, pr- to the jail, trash talking in the jail. And I think to myself now, it's a wonder I didn't get slapped, you know, and the guy printed me. He was so patient. Um, uh, he did tell me I looked like his ex-girlfriend, which was really weird. But other than that, <laughs> possibly inappropriate, a little bit inappropriate. But he told me that in the parking lot at the quick stop where I got arrested. <laughs> but but other than that, I thought as I look back on it, I think how much patience a, a police officer has to have to deal with some drunk, belligerent, 20-year-old asshole who's <laughs> fighting yeah. the truth. I am not drunk. Your machine is broken. You know, just like, oh, it's too ridiculous. Ridiculous. I remember Wait saying, Wait a minute, that was a Karen drunk. for bad. You that was bad. a Karen for bad. <laughs> I was a Karen for bad. I was. But at the time, obviously, I was like not willing to take responsibility, really angry, couldn't believe this was happening to me. But looking back on it, they treated me with so much respect and care. And obviously, I'm a white girl. I get that. I am not a black girl even in the same situation. I understand. I can't I can't change my color. I can't change that. But I just can't imagine how much patience most police officers have to have every single day to put up with the bullshit that people just throw at them so aggressively. And I'm completely wrong, totally wrong. And they have to put up with that, you know, and they got fingerprinted. And then then they put me in the office with the female officer. Um, And then my dad was out of town. My dad was in New Mexico skiing. And my mom was in Mexico on vacation. So I didn't have anybody to call to bail me out. So I called my ex-boyfriend's dad, who was my dad's best friend growing up. So I was like, I'm going to call him and see if he'll come get me out. And I'll pay him back when he gets me out. So I hear him open the front door of the jail and go, where's my goddamn daughter? Where's my goddamn daughter? And I go, oh, my God, he's drunk. He's drunk also. (laughs) So he picked me up drunk, and he was walking through the jailhouse going, I'm going to bring my John Deere up here and rip the front wall off this jail if you don't get my daughter out of jail right now. Clearly not his daughter. Um, He was completely drunk, and they let me go with him. And he he drove me home, and the next morning I got up, It was a Sunday the next morning and I drove to his house and I thanked him and I said, I can't get money out of the bank today because it's Sunday. No ATMs at the time. I think it was like $400 was my bail. I said, I'll bring it to you tomorrow. And I did. I brought it to him the next day. But I was like, I can't believe they're letting me go with him. He is so drunk. (laughs) How crazy is that? And then obviously I'd tell my parents and my parents were really upset And uh, my dad knows everybody in our hometown. He's like, you know what? Let's just get you a lawyer just to get, make sure this is done right, right and clean and you're done. So he got me a lawyer and the lawyer said, we're going to have you plead no low contender, which means I'm not going to do this again. And if you do it again, then you have to pay for both offenses, right? So it's kind of like your get out of jail free card as long as you fly straight from then on out. So we did that. We went to jail with my mom, went to uh, court my county is so small that at the time they only had one day a month where they dealt with like DUI and that kind of offenses. So we went to court and the court was packed. It was basically a room with like a folding table and the judge was behind the folding table and folding chairs. So it was not even really a courtroom, but it was at the courthouse. So we're standing against the wall because there's no seats. And it's my mom, my lawyer, and me and my dad. And we're all standing against the wall and there's this real hillbilly in front of the judge and he's holding his hat in his hand 
And he says, he's talking to this hillbilly and I'm just trying to like get my bearings in court. And I got to remember, I got to remember, I'm saying no low contender. I say, I'm never going to say, yes, I'll pay the fine. If there's community service, yes, I'll do it. I'm just kind of rehearsing what I'm going to say. And this hill, he says to the hillbilly, well, Mr. So-and-so, I sentenced you to 10 months in prison and the hillbilly farted. <laughs> and he farted so loud that it scared him. And he tried to like suck it back up. He went like that. And my dad and I have this problem. If we get really tickled and laugh really hard, we lose all our muscle control. So my dad starts sliding down the wall, laughing. He's sliding, he's sliding. And he grabs the thermostat on the wall. And he's on the thermostat, sliding down the wall. And I'm watching him laughing. I can't stop laughing. And the judge goes, Sir, are you okay to my dad? And my dad can't talk because he's laughing so hard that he slid all the way into the floor. And the bailiff had to come and get my dad and take him outside because they thought he was like passing out or something. And I'm laughing because we're laughing at this hillbilly that just farted so loud in front of this judge. So then, of course, I was like, I got to get it together. I got to get it together. There's no way I'm next. I was freaking next. No joke. They call me. I'm next. And I'm going... I can't keep it together. I'm standing in front of this judge and he goes, Miss Kemp, I don't think that you are taking this very seriously. And I was going, I'm taking it so seriously. I'm so sorry. I'm taking this so seriously. I couldn't get myself together. I finally did. And I pled no low and I said, I agreed to pay the fine, which was like $1,200, no community service. I go outside and my dad is laying down on a bench arm over his eyes, still laughing, crying, laughing at this fucking hillbilly that farted in front of a judge. <laughs> so I paid my fine and that was it. But yeah, oh I will God. never forget watching. My mother was furious with my dad because <laughs> they'd hated each other anyway. And she was so furious with him. Yeah, he just slid. Like his legs, just he just slid down the wall. And grab the thermostat. Like a thermostat's going to hold you up. He just grabbed the round thermostat and just hung there oh until God. they removed him. They physically removed him from the courtroom. <laughs> Isn't that a funny story? Yeah, that's going in your book. That's, that's such a funny story. Uh, anyway, it's one of my favorite memories of my dad. Because we were very serious when we walked in that courtroom. We were very serious. And that guy farted. And he was so fat. That, like, I almost remember it. You know how you remember things? Actually, not exactly like it happened. Yeah. I remember it in slow motion. <laughs> like, where I can see his whole body going, as he's trying to suck the fart back up his ass cheek. <laughs> was so funny. Anyway, that's my experience with prison. <laughs> wow. Between my Uncle Terry and that. I'm good. A little bit different than the book. <laughs> a little, bit, a little, a little bit different. A little bit different than the book. It was really funny, though. But anyway, well, thanks for reading the book with me. I appreciate it. It's a good book. It was a good yeah, book. It was nice to read something we all liked. I agree. Yeah, it was. I avoided. I read a ton of memoirs, and I avoided reading this one for many years because of the show. Not. I have nothing against the show, but I just kind of thought, eh, seen a couple episodes of the show. I get it. I don't need to read this. Mm -hmm. And also, I kind of have a thing about some prison memoirs are just like, oh, poor me. Mm -hmm. Look at this mm -hmm. horrible experience that I'm in. And, I, and this was so I'm really glad that I read it when I finally did read it. I was like, oh, my God, she can write the heck out of this. Yeah. Like she really writes well, but also she 100 percent takes responsibility and but also grows and then grows yes. like she takes responsibility from the beginning and then grows and takes more responsibility. So, um, yeah, I, it was, I was really happy to read it twice. Uh, good. Yeah. I, yeah. I liked it too. There's definitely not a lot of woe was me. There's a lot not of responsibility yeah. taken. It was really cool. So next book club book, uh, Paulina Pinsky recommended is called hysterical. Okay. It, our next book club read is hysterical by Alyssa Bassett. And uh, I'm, I started it already. I'm on chapter two and I'm liking it so far. We'll see how it goes. But um, she's also offered to come be a guest. So maybe we'll have to slide her in the middle of the couch. Or something. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how we get four in here, but maybe we can figure out some way to have four and have her talk about it too, because um, I think it's going to be a good memoir. She has some 
health issues that went undiagnosed for a while. So I'm looking forward to see what her end diagnosis was and what her journey was throughout that whole process. So I think this is going to be a good discussion book too. And it's, she's a good writer. So great. It'll be fun. Cool. Yeah. Thank you for doing this every month. Mm-hmm. I get, I get, I know I told you this the other day in Girl Scouts, but I do get emails of people saying, I love the book club. Uh, I don't read the book, but I love to hear you guys talk about the book. And I feel like I've read the book, which, you know, we're so busy. It's so hard to read a book, isn't it? Sometimes it feels that way, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So anyway, hysterical. Alyssa Bassett, thank you so much, ladies, for today. I appreciate it. Thank Thank you. Thank you.